Hey folks, welcome. Here we are. This is Overdose and Chill. I'm led to believe number 79 in the series, which means it's taken me 79 chills to get in the hot seat. Um, it's great to be here. Uh, welcome to wherever you are. Thank you for joining us uh, for the hour. Hopefully, hopefully be uh, an entertaining conversation. We'll keep it keep it fresh, keep it interesting. Um, my name is Sam Schuss, and I'm the Chief Marketing Officer at Overdose. Uh, but my main role today is a uh, hype man for uh, the other guy on the call, Sean Motu, who is our digital strategy marketing lead for uh, New Zealand. So, Sean, say hello to everyone and introduce yourself. Yeah, kia ora team. Lovely uh, to, to have you in today. Um, thanks, Sambo. You, you make a good point. It's been a, been a fair few chills until we got the uh, got the, the green light. So really excited to, to share a whole lot of insights today. Yeah, really looking forward to it. Let's make the most of it. Sean's uh, strategically placed some houseplants behind him today just because he's got a slide on Pinterest and it's all about uh, pimping your pad. So, yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, as I say, so to be here. So today um, we're going to run you through a bit of an overview of, uh, of just a collection of stuff we're seeing really in the digital marketing space. Uh, Sean is kind of in amongst it on a daily basis, as am I. So we live and breathe this stuff um, and there is just so much going on that we're um, hype to kind of give you guys a run through. We're going to paint a bit of a picture of stuff that we've seen happening uh, in the past year. Obviously, uh, the pandemic uh, has accelerated a lot of change in our space. Uh, that change continues. So we're going to do a bit of a kind of retrospective of what we've seen back in 2021, some of the numbers that came through that period in terms of e-commerce growth and kind of some of the stuff that was going on, but focus mostly on where we are today and what that means for brands and advertisers that we work with, um, and also looking at kind of who the modern uh, digital shopper is. So spending a bit of time kind of understanding who uh, who people are that are shopping online these days, what they're doing, what they're interested in, how they're engaging, how they're communicating. So we've got a lot to get through, but as I say, we'll keep it pretty uh, pretty light and uh, uh, and fun. Um, we are live on, and I have to look at my list, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and LinkedIn, I believe. So available everywhere. Um, Thanks again for joining us. Please do uh, drop questions and comments into the box as you go through. Some of those will ping through to our screen and we can answer them on the fly. Um, but without further ado, uh, we'll jump in. Okay. Right, so I guess, I mean, you might think this is the kind of the understatement of the decade, but we kind of thought it was a nice place to start with a quote from uh, one of the VPs of Google Ads, talking about the fact that um, buying behavior will obviously continue to change. Um, you know, we're in that cycle now of, uh, technology is changing, the way that people are shopping is changing, um, and technology will really be at the heart of that in terms of way, the ways that people discover products um, and brands. So again, you know, this is stating the obvious to a degree, but it's it's kind of definitely something that is you know, the basis of the way that we think um, and the way that we always have to think moving forward. So the kind of structure of today's uh, discussion is, is kind of framed around this statement that was sort of set out, which has a few elements to it. Um, Part of, part of today's conversation is about 2021. So Sean's gonna run through a few kind of high level numbers of what we saw in terms of that unparalleled growth in uh, digital commerce um, back through those 12 months. We're gonna look at kind of where we've landed today and what kind of what that means specifically for uh, brands who are looking to acquire and retain customers in 2022. So there's a lot of stuff going on in the space around measurement, attribution, uh, data, uh, identification of people, um, and that kind of all uh, builds up to, you know, quite a perfect storm of, of stuff that's going on. So we're going to spend a bit of time chatting through some of that stuff um, and navigating through that with some kind of recommendations and outtakes to share with you guys. Um, and then we're going to end up by just having a bit of a, um, a deep dive into um, what we're calling this digitally native shopper. So 
starting to kind of look through the lens of some of these platforms that we work with and kind of understanding how we're seeing these people, how we're describing them, what they're up to, what they're interested in. So that's the flow. Um, we're going to jump into to part one, which is really kind of, Sean's going to take us through a few slides on um, some of the numbers that we saw coming out of 2021, uh, a year of ups and downs, uh, wherever you are, I'm sure you had lockdowns coming out of lockdowns. So definitely a roller coaster. But Sean, do you want to just run us through some of those highlights and, and chat through? Yeah, appreciate it, Bo. Um, good sort of settle into to bake into the next couple of points here. But um, essentially, uh, next couple of slides here just goes into describing a bit of, I guess, the landscape we started to see online. Um, I know that we're reflecting on year and year around 2021, but I think when you take it from context of understanding just how big 2020 was, um, you know, of a year for online, and then better yet, see these crazy increases off the back of that through 2021, it starts to reveal a bit of a picture in terms of how we foresee uh, 2022 playing out and things like that as well. And so quickly taking a look at the, the big numbers you can see here as far as where these numbers derive from. It is a mixture of both, you know, what we see from Google search trends, um, as well as consumer behavior reporting from, um, you know, both AU and NZ posts. So we're, you know, we're sure to make sure that that data is kind of fresh in our minds as well. And the big piece here talking about that 20% lift in consumer spending through 2020, um, 2021 online. And I guess the considerations here, you know, with the realization of that shift in behavior through 2020, we saw a lot of businesses, you know, start to work to become more established in the e-com space and understandably so. And so, you know, having committed more investment into that space, you know, there was a lot of efforts into driving brand experiences online and, and operations that cater to that shift online as well. And so um, what's nice to see is that, you know, what was a big year in terms of uh, the shift in consumer behavior online, it was also backed up um, you know, 2020, uh, sorry, 20% more uh, when we saw that the year after. And we do, you know, start to see that trend start to pick up through 2021 um, at the same time. Yeah, I mean, 100%. And I think the interesting thing for me is that, like, this is one number on a slide, but actually when you dig into it, um, it's not necessarily that there are hordes of people kind of online shopping for the first time anymore. It's like we had a wave of kind of first-time shoppers through the pandemic, but actually now that growth is driven by, like, a small group of, like, uh, super shoppers or kind of um, as Australia likes to call them yeah. yeah super shoppers so you're getting getting kind of like a small segment of these people I think in Australia the super shoppers segment as they define it kind of makes up about 15 percent of number of households shopping but they spend more than half of the amount of online shopping revenue so definitely kind of a, a big kind of subgroup of shoppers who are really engaged shopping from more stores um, I think the outtake from that is like retention is obviously more important than ever. You've got like a group of people that are heavily engaged in online shopping. So the more that you can kind of hone in on who those people are and kind of what they're spending money on, I think that's the opportunity necessarily more than, you know, just a new wave of kind of people coming in and, and buying for the first time. I think we're seeing that across both Australia and New Zealand based on the numbers that are coming through. Yeah, great points. Um, yeah. Great points, and I think that that actually bakes in quite well to the next point here around, um, you know, alongside that shift or that lift year on year as far as, you know, shopping behaviours online, um, when it comes to the type of behaviour we're seeing also, what's interesting to see is that there was actually a 60% lift in trends, you know, searching for those kind of click and collect and same-day delivery guarantees and things like that. And I guess, you know, so what that might be encouraging of our brands is, you know, in terms of uh, things beyond a price point is, you know, asking ourselves, what are those service guarantees? 
guarantees that we're promoting for you know for our brands and you know for the brands that are pushing out there are you making sure that those communications are clear and concise for um you know your users when they do go looking um go do go looking for you online and things like that this also starts to, I would say, you know, highlight at that sense of convenience um, that users are starting to look for. Um, understandably, through the the events that was 2020 and moving into 2021, people realize that there there's more variety, there's options. We have the power as a consumer to take back sort of these these purchase opportunities with click and collect and same day delivery at our own convenience. And so, where there's opportunities as a, as a brand really encourage you know to be able to voice that and make sure that these options um if any are well available is really expressed through the communications that um you know you're pushing out there and things like that 100 percent, and I, I guess it goes without saying but it wasn't as easy as kind of saying that you guys should do this stuff or sorry brands should do this stuff in 2021 because we know that logistics involved and you know the massive amount of people coming online to buy online um, caused quite a few bottlenecks and postage systems so um, you know, we're all hoping that those kinds of logistics are ironed out and it gets easier to kind of deliver on some of these promises. But, you know, we felt it for a lot of our clients last year that it was just so difficult to get stock and get stuff stock to people on time that it caused a lot of teething issues, I guess, in, in the sense of kind of that supply chain. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Awesome. Cool. Um, next point here, um, you know, though we've talked about service guarantees beyond a price point and things like that, bringing it back, though, to a price point, what is interesting to see or, 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 or pretty much what we already know is, you know, Kiwis do love a bargain. Um, you know, year and year again, seeing that massive influx and in search intent for people looking for deals or discounts or coupons. What's even more interesting to add to this as well is the fact that the type of search intent we're seeing before key selling periods like uh, Black Friday or or Boxing Day or things like that, the search intent for these spaces are actually done well in advance, months before these actual events happen um, when we see these um, users come through. And so what that starts to suggest as far as, you know, how a brand can start to apply themselves is where there's opportunity, you know, for a sale coming up or some of these key selling periods is really utilizing um, presence within key spaces with your always on approach, you know, ensuring that you guys have voice within market online across a variety of spaces where you'll find your customer. And in a similar light, when there are those key selling periods or sale, just ensuring that you have a good strategy in place, um, both before the, uh, before the actual event at hand during the event as well as ensuring you know urgency in terms of final days and things like that really capitalizing when those sort of um, periods of times uh, starts to pick up on the online realm and things like that 100 and sean maybe just kind of some examples last year it felt like kind of over that key sales period being sort of like friday cyber monday it's obviously no longer about kind of two days within a month it's like you've got more and more kind of brands trying to jump in early and get the momentum up and, and kind of sell stuff uh pre those dates so it's becoming more of kind of a i was going to say black month it sounds a bit a bit dark but you know that that kind of sale period is extending right Absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're seeing, I would say, year on year that, um, you know, the extension of these sales dates are starting to lengthen um, a lot. But I guess in saying that, there's the other side of, you know, we have a few merchants and brands we play with who are very, um, you know, they're, they're very uh, certain about the dates they want to stay on, um, whether that be, you know, I guess the brand perception is they're very strong and just having you know, a single date or things like that. And so, you know, the other side of the coin um, at the same time is also considering just the strength of those those pre-coms before the actual date. Um, they can still host within, you know, a one, a two day or even a weekend, but it's all about that strength in the build up, building that sense of anticipation so that someone or a consumer online who's searching online 
just instantly can pick up and know that there's something on the way and kind of, you know, builds that sense of they've only got 24 hours or 48 hours to make that purchase. They need to make it now and things like that. So all in the way that you play your communications in that space. Yeah. Cool. Uh, next one here I thought was pretty savvy, uh, particularly for any brands dealing with, you know, lifestyle and things like that starts to understand what the consumer behavior is starting to pick up on. And what we're what we're seeing is that real hybrid lifestyle. Um, you know, people are using are looking for that way to kind of balance what we're seeing in terms of a balance of work life and personal life, particularly in, in, in a new environment where we kind of share the two spaces within our own homes. And so that's sort of evident when we see these lift and, and, and search trends around, you know, people search to upgrade their homes or things like plant delivery good example behind me or things like you know how to meditate properly and dealing with burnout um it's a, it's a new sort of terrain where you know users can't be able or or, or, or or I would say workers today um, can't really, you know, leave the workplace per se because it's sort of combined with their everyday life. And so, you know, a lot of users are, again, in that pursuit of balance in their everyday life. And so as a brand, whether it be applicable for you, for yourself or, or things like that, really encouraging you to, you know, voice where you can help alleviate some of these challenges that, you know, users and consumers are seeing and educate them on what your brand can be able to offer in terms of this new lifestyle, uh, hybrid lifestyle that we're starting to see as well. Sweet. Hey, Sean, do you think uh, people are always going to be forever searching ways to upgrade their home now or plant delivery services? Or is that kind of a 2021 thing? Um, I would say I think I think it's moving to the new norm. And we'll see that in the next coming slides, right? Like um, year on year, the trajectory of these search trends continue to pick up. But I think on top of that, what is interesting in terms of how it's staying around is almost that realization the consumers see, you know, the realization that you can actually work from home, the realization that you can actually, you know, share between personal work life. And so um, I wouldn't expect it to slow down anytime soon. Um, it's just a matter of how, as brands, we get ourselves in front of these type of consumers that are coming through online. Mm -hmm. yeah. Nice. So there we have it. That was the kind of 2021 recap uh, in a few numbers. Uh, thanks, Sean, for running us through that. I mean, you could go on for hours about kind of what happened last year, but we wanted this session mainly to be about where we've landed now, kind of what's going on in the market, and then kind of how do we think about, um, you know, the consumer moving forward. So the second part of today's conversation is really about kind of the actual, you know, advertising market as it is, you know, what's going on with platforms, what's going on with costs. So kind of at the coalface of like what we do on a day-to-day -day basis, which is using these platforms to uh, find audiences, find customers, convert customers. Um, there is a lot of stuff going on in that space right now that we're going to just sort of step through at a high level uh, to begin with. Um, I think the kind of first slide that we're going to start on is really, you know, some might say a quite shocking kind of stat uh, which is based on some work that we did last year around looking at uh, Facebook um, acquisition costs and the kind of rate of increase of those over the sort of preceding 12 months, which, you know, um, adds up to almost a tripling in, in costs per acquisition for, for that platform, uh, which is obviously shocking. Um, this isn't to say that, you know, Facebook is the only one having challenges. I think this is an example of, you know, uh, what all of these things kind of... Um, mean at the end of the day in terms of hard numbers for, for advertisers. So Sean, maybe just kind of give us a bit of a background of, of this kind of particular stat, but also let's just expand on kind of, you know, beyond Facebook, like what we're seeing in the market. 
Yeah, um, so I, I guess this this key here, this times 2.9 or almost three times, uh, is collated data um, that we did through data analysis of our existing merchants. So, you know, risk guaranteed, it's a bit of a picture of what we already saw of our own clientele and builds a bit of a picture of what we expect of the industry and, and what we've kind of shared with people um, over the last couple of months. And so I guess that's where that number has to rise. What that then means, and to what you said, Sam, is that rise in cost as far as, you know, cost per acquisition, getting users through, cost per conversions, all of it is is deeply sort of detrimented as far as um, the effects that it has. And, and just for anyone who isn't across this quickly, you know, that is the result of the implementation of iOS 14.5. With that update on Apple devices, it pretty much gave the, the user back the power to privacy in terms of whether they want to be tracked online and things like that. And with that, Subsequently, there was a massive drop in, in the way that we can track as, um, you know, as media outlets and things like that. And so that's the effect that we're seeing here. Going from a solution base, though, we do have suggestions. We do see opportunities, which we'll go into a little bit more, I feel. Um, but speaking about, you know, almost the opportunity um, to diversify the channels we play across. Um, the other great thing is that, you know, social media platforms are also doing a lot of work to ensure that that attribution gap between, you know, uh, going on social media through to purchase is also alleviated as well. And so we're really keen not only to, you know, acknowledge that this is something that has happened and continuing to happen, but there's also solutions that we can be able to offer in the next couple of slides speaking about um, what we could be doing to sort of challenge um, the space here. 100%. Yeah, the idea here is not to kind of shock people and then just walk away and not offer any answers. Um, we'll get to the answers shortly. But as I say, this is, you know, this is just one example of a stat that is, you know, impressive um, and, and significant, but it's, it's kind of, it's a function of a number of like conflating factors, right? Like obviously, the measurement, the data privacy stuff and the attribution is a big driver of this. It's just kind of the, the lack of available data and information to prove conversions and attribution. But it's also a factor of just the surge in online. The surge in online is not just consumers coming to the market and buying stuff themselves. It's also brands jumping on that wave and kind of more and more brands jumping into um, the space of advertising and, and competition for those ad spaces is you know, as high as it's ever been. So it's a bit of a mixture of, um, of effects. Um, and I just kind of wanted to pause on, I guess, this sort of topic for a while and, and think about kind of a couple of different aspects to it. Um, one side of things is, you know, the fact that for all the reasons we've talked about um, right now, it's, you know, it is getting harder to identify audiences, to find audiences, to kind of know um, information about people and target segments as we once were able to. Um, so this kind of concept of scattering audiences basically means that it is getting harder and harder to hone in on kind of who you know to be your target market and kind of target them that way in any platform. Um, mm. People are spending more time on more platforms these days. You'll see when we get into kind of some of the content, there are more and more social channels kind of with bigger and bigger audiences. So Facebook is no longer the kind of the you know ultimate kind of destination for everybody. It's, you know, it is a number of different platforms now that people are spending time in. So they're spending time in more places, they're consuming more content, but at the same time, it's getting harder and harder to know who these people are and track them from place to place, right? So, Sean, I guess that kind of ultimately has an impact on the way that we can um, deliver targeting for our campaigns and some of the, maybe just talk about the ways that some of the platforms are kind of pushing us into, uh, or encouraging, I should say, uh, the use of their own machine learning and AI to kind of effectively optimize rather than, you know, these preconceived ideas of, of who the target market is. 
Yeah, that's it. I know a lot of our, uh, our conversations with, with clients is, you know, this, this, how we navigate the sense of allowing, um, I guess, these platforms to be able to use AI and audience modeling against, um, you know, the potential consumers that we're trying to target. And so I guess alongside that, you know, when I mentioned that these social media platforms are pushing a lot of effort around, you know, put well here converging those platforms it's almost funny you can see across you know a range whether it be youtube or, or, or meta facebook um you know ig or, or tiktok that um a lot of functionalities um are starting to blend in and almost seem the same between the platforms um you're also starting to see the insertion of things like e-commerce kind of touch points as well you know if you if you take a look at you know what they're offering as far as um you know in the post and things like that there's actual taggable posts and products and things like that there's actual sort of one-to-one -one opportunities where you can go direct to purchase via social media platforms and things like that ultimately we're starting to see that these social media platforms are starting to sort of bring that journey down to a halt and, and, and almost short, shorten that um you know that that purchase journey um to kind of alleviate that that attribution loss that we see because of these these new implementations and so um gives a bit of reason and understanding for those who you know kind of go Oh my goodness, you know, that is the reason why we're starting to see, you know, our IG Reels, which was once, you know, demanded by TikTok, but now it's on YouTube and it's on Facebook, um, ultimately giving all these opportunities to what Sam said, you know, about spending more time on each platform and then offering up these, these e-com sort of based opportunities and touch points with brands as well is what we're starting to see um, to kind of challenge, um, you know, those, those, those challenges that we are facing. Basically, every platform that we work with and, and mention is kind of developing their own funnel, right? They've got, they've got their brand suite, they've got their brand product and their brand kind of gallery uh, ads, and they've got, you know, engagement ads, and then they've got conversion and, and kind of you, you buy it in the platform. And you can understand why it's hard for a platform to play in a space where they're kind of losing the ability to kind of get uh, recognition for a path in the journey. So the more that they're able to kind of keep that person engaged in the platform and do that conversion, obviously, they can prove their value you know, much better than just being a piece of the puzzle. So you can understand at a macro level, you know, why, why they're doing this. I guess, you know, our role, uh, I think, between Sean and I and the, and the team is to kind of always understand kind of um, how all those pieces fit together. And I think, you know, there was a point around kind of how much do you trust the platforms to deliver the results and, and kind of um, and trust their data. And I think that is always going to be the, the human kind of element of, just making sure that you know at a strategic level um, you're playing in the right places, you're kind of using platforms for the right reasons, um, and that kind of those those macro pieces fit together, and also that you're using automation and machine learning uh, effectively, but you're not fully trusting the machine is doing the best job. So there's that kind of, I think like healthy skepticism that you know obviously automation has a role, but uh, at yeah. the same time using business kind of sense and knowledge of the brand and what you're trying to achieve is, is equally as important. And that's kind of where people like Sean kind of jump in to just make sure that we're doing the right stuff. Yeah, that's it. Like just adding to it quickly, it, it always is almost a, a case by case in the conversations we do have, you know, it may vary depending on what, what a brand is trying to execute and what their goals are. Um, and so I find in a lot of my conversations, it is sort of finding that intertwining balance between um, taking that control back as well as allowing for some of those and those AI capabilities and things like that too. Yeah. It's weird though, isn't it? Like the, every headline I get, like Pinterest is adding search, TikTok's adding search, TikTok's adding 10 minute videos to compete with YouTube. Yeah. Uh, Instagram and Facebook are becoming the same platform. Ultimately, uh, Meta is combining messenger with 
Instagram direct with WhatsApp. So that will ultimately become one, one communication channel. It's like this weird kind of melding together of all of these platforms into one pretty similar thing. And it, you know, again, requires kind of more thinking to understand you know, how does that all fit together and kind of where do we spend That's the right. money? So it's, there's never one answer to it, but it's, it's a fun challenge. Should we say exactly. that? Exactly. <laughs> um, oh, by the way, Elon Musk has apparently bought Twitter now. So that's, uh, he might have his own social media platform to start selling. Oh, love, or, yeah, that'll be interesting. I'd, I'd love to hop on board that one. Yeah. <laughs> maybe for the 2023 presentation, we'll get to that. Yeah, good. That's good. That's good. Yeah, cool. So um, I promised that we would kind of provide some answers or at least some key takeaways to kind of given what we've kind of heard and kind of how we got here and kind of what we're seeing at the moment in terms of those dynamics. Um, Sean's just kind of left a few, I guess, a few mm. kind of key takeaways in terms of, you know, as brands or act, as acting for brands and advertisers, you know, what are the things we should focus on? So, Sean, do you just want to walk us through those three kind of core things? Yes, yeah, sweet as chief. Um, I guess, yeah, to what we're speaking about, there's three key points that come to mind in terms of how we sort of approach this space. And the first one speaks to first party data. Um, we've mentioned this in previous years, the importance of this space. But I would say now, you know, in 2022, this is quite integral to the success of a business. Again, as we've spoken about the loss out and tra tracking capabilities and things like that, owning your customer data um, alongside a good CRM to host them and things like that is really essential in 2022. We do expect, you know, email will continue to be one of the most important channels to reach your customers and that's exactly it because it is the space that you can be able to freely share those communications through um, email campaigns and automations and things like that and so having the strength to be able to speak to quite a high intent audience who have chosen to engage with your brand who know about your brand and and you know on their own terms subscribe makes them a highly valuable type of customer that you're wanting to speak to so be mindful to really I would say leverage that kind of space um, and really strengthen I guess what you're rolled out in your back end as far as what automations do you have in play are you speaking to your your customer you know based on the signals of whether they've made a purchase and if so you know what's that journey after they've made the purchase what's that journey after perhaps 30 to 60 to 90 days after they've made a purchase there's a variety of touch points you could be leveraging through um, first party data to be able to you know speak to that audience at all times then goes into channel diversification, um, you know, summed up, I think, quite well, again, with the changes and what we're seeing. Um, it's ultimately not wanting to host, I guess, all your eggs in a single basket, uh, but making sure that there's a variety of spaces that your brand is across but also making sure it's aligned with the user and the customer that's aligned, you know, that's your customer um, and, 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 and target sort of audience there as well. And so being able to, you know, speak through the a multitude of platforms, um, a few that we'll speak through soon, um, but making sure that, you know, that tone of voice is correct for that platform as well is going to be incredibly important when you're, when you're diversifying your channels. And then the last one, kind of bringing it back to those uh, consumer behaviors that we saw, but really just highlighting the importance in digital storytelling, um, building that sort of that, that brand building and digital storytelling um, are key concepts used by, you know, the best brands that we see in the e-com space. And so really leveraging uh, the likes of video content, which we're starting to see being leveraged for viewership reasons and that you can retarget and things like that. Being able to really use that to offer an experience through video content and be able to tell a story is going to be hugely important across this, um, you know, this sort of uh, almost cookie list, I would say, but not yet space. Um, but at the same time, tailoring your brand or tailoring your cons based on where someone is in a user journey, being mindful about the way you speak to someone who's never heard about your brand versus someone who's maybe engaged with your brand. Um, it may be different. You might need to introduce the um, you know, someone new to the brand with 
the values and the ethics and the sustainable sort of um, operations that you host. Whereas someone who knows about the brand is engaging, they may need to know about the unique selling points, what sells it against competitors and things like that. And so channeling all these considerations based on how someone has engaged with your brand is incredibly important um, to make sure that you have sort of that whole storytelling journey right throughout to purchase and things like that as well. 100%. And I think kind of it goes without saying that like, these may seem like kind of concepts and kind of uh, qualitative kind of ideas, but actually when you start to kind of look at each one, then the numbers back it up, right? Everything that we do from our point of view is always based on like where does the performance come from? Email is, you know, far and away the, the best performing channel, you know, for 90% of clients. So we need to kind of do that right and kind of make sure we're getting that value out of customers. Channel diversification is all about making sure that, you know, you're not just diversifying for the sake of it, right? It's about kind of Facebook costs are increasing, other costs are increasing. Let's have kind of take a step back and figure out like what is our overall kind of business ambition? Are we doing the right things? Are we putting the right amount of money into acquiring customers? Or should we invest that money in loyalty and retention and kind of build out, you know, views of the customer that we can hone in on and, and get more money out of those guys? Mm -hmm. um, and as you say, Sean, like the video stuff um, and the upper final stuff, I think, Although it sounds like a luxury to a lot of performance marketers, I think it's actually you need to. And when we get into kind of a description of who our new shoppers are, they're really invested in, you know, brand values, sustainability, and you can't possibly kind of deliver and land all of those, you know, elements to uh, a marketing campaign if you don't have, you know, great looking, you know, assets and, and kind of compelling video content. So, yeah. Hang on, hang on. Great, sweet. Okay, so we're two out of three down. Let's let's move along. So I think this is um for me this is the this is the kind of this is the part I'm learning about. I'm I'm certainly not a, a new generation Gen Z shopper, but um Sean's kind of uh, taken a look through a few lenses at you know who who our kind of modern digital shopper is. Uh, they're definitely digital natives. They're definitely kind of embracing uh, all aspects of technology in the way that they you know, live their lives shop, uh, communicate with each other. So we thought it was really important to kind of just start, spend a bit of time, I think, kind of painting a picture of who these people are, um, kind of things that they're interested in, ways that they behave, and, and hopefully kind of build up that, that understanding of how to communicate and engage with them effectively. So we've done this through the lens of um, our main partners, really. So some of these platforms that we've already referenced uh, in this conversation to date, it's interesting just to kind of walk through some of the insights pieces that these guys are spinning up um, and there are a lot of similarities in the way that they describe these sort of modern shoppers. You'll start to see some of the themes coming through. Um, it's a lot more, from where I stand, it's a lot more real and a lot more kind of uh, crowdsourced, honest UGC reviews. That's that's definitely a theme that comes through. But Sean's just going to walk us through. Oh, here we go. We've got a question coming on from Mr. Welling. Um, how are you seeing the evolution of omnichannel loyalty and CX programs contributing to the first party data pillar? Mm. Sean, do you want to take a, a stab at that one, like an ad? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we're, funnily, funny you say that, Todd. We're actually having a lot of conversations in terms of how we interlink, interlink a lot of that first-party data. Um, I guess it's, it, it takes it from a level of just being able to automate to then actually be able to I guess, smartly automate, you know, be able to be in touch points across a variety of different spaces on the user journey, not only on, you know, when you're talking about omni-channel, not only in the digital realm, but also offline as well. And being able to almost combine that through CRM and CX programs um, allows for, again, that, that, that touch point every step of the way that's convenient to the consumer. And so, 
um, with that evolution, with that growth, I think it's becoming ever more important. Um, and where there's opportunities that brands are keen to sort of pursue that, highly encourage that they jump on, um, you know, being able to strengthen that space for their own uh, for their own brands and things like that. Yeah. Thanks, bro. I can't add any more to that. Um, yeah, we wanted to just kind of run through. Oh, hang on. They're coming hot and fast now. Thanks, Joseph. Um, all right. Okay. So this is a question about kind of the most underutilized platform. Um, I feel, I'm sure everyone has their own opinion on this. Yeah. Um, I can give one answer is that uh, contrary to popular belief, Bing is alive and kicking. Um, <laughs> and actually, when you compare uh, Bing performance yeah. and Bing's results to Google, um, you'd be surprised at how well it performs and actually how, how much it's used. So um, definitely the not the coolest kid on the block. Um, but one worth considering when you've got an extensive search strategy that Bing has actually got a really valuable audience mm. um, of people who spend money. So uh, don't underestimate Bing. Um, Sean, I'm sure you can add another one into the mix that um, you think is yeah. neglected. Yeah, I'll hone in on that. And I'll say for me personally, it's also Pinterest as well. Um, I guess taking a look, it's, it's such a good combination between what I know for a lot of clients and brands looking for that conversion rate and sort of those bottom of funnels. But um, Pinterest serves a real good purchase at initiating that sense of inspiration and motivation, given the consumer behavior we see online for those spaces. For a lot of our lifestyle kind of brands, um, you know, we see that we've seen good results come out of that by leveraging that sense of, you know, someone looking for that inspiration, that visual kind of leverage to be able to make a decision there um, has seen really good results there. So I personally think Pinterest deserves its flowers and when it comes to um, you know, whether it's been utilized or not. Awesome. Thank you for the questions, guys. Keep, please keep them coming. Drop them in the comments. Um, otherwise, we'll just have uh, Sean and I rambling for the next 27 yeah. minutes, and we don't want that. Um, yeah. So, Sean, yeah, just kind of walk us through, uh, I guess, kind of some of the key outtakes and, and key, I think, yeah. descriptors of, of who this kind of next generation of shoppers is, and we can uh, have a bit of a, of a chat about kind of what that all means to, to marketers. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what this uh, these next couple slides are, is, is really key outtakes of some of the consumer insights that we you know said that, that Sam mentioned from these platforms. Um, I guess I'll pick the ones that I think are most relevant and applicable for, for, for brands to be able to take away and apply to themselves as far as how they can be able to you know pull the best out of um, you know their own brand. And so speaking to what I guess Google had to say as far as um, this first point here is really fake news. And what that's speaking to is, you know, with online misinformation and data breaches on the rise year on year and things like that, we are starting to see the consumers are more skeptical, you know, than ever. They're more wary of being misled and therefore more savvier about the choices they're choosing to make online and more proactive to look for credibility in their brands. And so that really translates into encouraging what the brand should be thinking about, whether that be, um, you know, applying reviews and the communications that they push out, dynamically pushing that through for people, um, you know, that do share a review or also in the way you integrate it again into, uh, you know, your, your automations and things like that. Once someone's made a purchase, are you encouraging them to share reviews and things like that? These kind of things kind of go to, to alleviate, again, that pain point of users trying to look for, I guess, credibility and making sure they can trust the brand before they engage with it. Sort of bakes into the next point here around sustainability and ethics and what that's really talking about, you know, with the growing search for truth, you know, it's more evident that, you know, in the shopping behaviors that we're seeing as well. And, you know, shopping uh, shoppers are more willing to invest uh, more to choices that align with their values and beliefs. Now, that's, you know, though lightly said is a big thing. And, you know, in the greater scheme of things in recent years, because, you know, often it's it's the price point that's the driving factor, um, you know, for a lot of it. And to a point, it still is. But we're starting to see now in, in this new sort of uh, terrain that users are more inclined to 
be more loyal to a brand that really aligns with, you know, again, the ethics and the values um, that they share. So, you know, again, where does opportunity to be more transparent about your practices or your sustainability, um, you know, your, yeah, your sustainability practices or even your ethics and values, um, be sure to, you know, be quite intentful with the way that you communicate that with your different brands, uh, with your different consumers and target audience as well. And then the last one here is, is around consumer reassurance. Um, I guess what this is starting to talk about is, you know, what we see is today's consumers, you know, do expect to be reassured throughout the shopping journey, not just at the end point. Um, and this is um, pretty, uh, I guess, evident when we saw a survey from the Google team here that 31% of APAC shoppers surveyed, um, you know, saw that they they expect authenticity um, and, and they see it as a key issue on marketplaces when they when they see increasing, you know, searches, uh, searches for delivery tracking and a stores, you know, things like that. So with your communications, look to, if you can, officiate your brand, you know, you know out selling it as the official sort of supplier of whatever product you might have. Or in another way, you know, when someone makes a purchase, really, you know, helping them walk through where, where in the delivery journey that is. Little sort of tweaks in the way that we communicate these things will be really key, I think, for, you know, driving that that uh, potential consumer prospect of user online um, to, to choose you over uh, competitors. Yeah, and, pre and presumably like points one and three, right, are also coming from um, word of mouth. So people leaving reviews, people kind mm -hmm. of uh, acknowledging the fact that they've had a good experience. They're sharing that experience. They're talking about, you know, this is a trusted brand. I've, I've kind of had a, I've had a good experience with the brand. So yeah. it's, it's partly on the kind of merchant to kind of really give that evidence and that kind of information as you go through. But it's also reassurance from others that have bought from that from that merchant that they're in the right place and buying the right thing 100 percent. oh we've got a question coming through all right mailing you can read this one up sure how do you recommend clients use first-party data for the in-store experiences for those who are still brick and mortar how they oh another one how can they utilize that data to make the information they hold about their clients to retain loyalty good question you want to tackle that one sam that's a lot to unpack, May. Thanks for the um, <laughs> thanks for the novel. You're a um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, 100%. So obviously kind of first-party data in part, in a small part, will come from online and kind of what we know about people's online behaviors. Mm -hmm. But you're going to get much more valuable information from, you know, what they're doing in store, loyalty cards, loyalty schemes, and really connecting all of that. Again, we kind of, I don't want to go on about marketing automation um, uh, until we're uh, nauseous, but, you know, connecting all of that stuff back to your marketing automation flow um, to yeah. make sure that everything is like super personalized, super relevant. It's connecting to the right stores. It's kind of relevant to their local area. I think that's when you start to get, you know, maximum value out of that channel is, is making everything, you know, based on their real life behaviors and experience and, and kind of what they're shopping for. Yeah, and adding to that from um, another question, but adding to that, um, I guess building that sense of uh, exclusivity in the way that they can receive product and things like that. Um, a, a better yet, PR events and things like that. Um, we've got a couple of clients who do sort of share that exclusiveness for people that um, you know that incentivizes people to join on board and things like that. Um, again, at the same time, connects you know that that lead um, signs you know that that. Uh, that lead acquisition to then get that physical experience in the same way. So that's, I guess, another way that I've seen good success out of being able to use the two spaces. Yeah. All right. Cool. Thick and fast. Let's go. Todd yeah. Welling, uh, with rampant channel diversification, how do we adjust our attribution modeling to evidence impact? Yeah, cool. Good question. So 
where do we start? I mean, obviously every channel has its own attribution model, has its own measurement um, to kind of uh, spend too much time analyzing and kind of picking apart those things uh, is, I guess, not wasted effort. But, you know, mm. at Overdose, we feel like the right approach is actually just to take a step back and kind of look at the bigger picture. So you have a source of truth, which is your obviously your online sales revenues. And you know that that is exactly how much money is landed in your bank account. You also know how much you're spending in, in various channels. So it sounds like we're oversimplifying it, but just to kind of roll things back and say, um, I can tell that my overall sales are growing and I know that I've made these changes to my marketing mix. Um, you know, you can kind of start to understand that, you know, some channels are playing a role in either developing your brand awareness and kind of building that, um, that upper funnel kind of momentum um, yeah. or doing a great job of kind of conversions down the funnel. So, um, you know, again, we can kind of spend a whole chill session on kind of analyzing attribution methodologies, but in my simplistic kind of way of thinking, I think it's always helpful to kind of just roll things up to a higher level and think about, you know, what are the kind of big pictures, big pieces you're moving to, to kind of deliver on your business ambitions mm -hmm. and goals and kind of, and how do you, how do you use sources of truth to, uh, to manipulate that? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much hit it bang on. Don't need that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> perfect answer. <laughs> right. So uh, we've heard from Google. Let's hear from uh, from the, the champs at Meta. So um, yeah. Meta talking a lot about kind of, again, these themes of inclusivity, um, work life, not work life balance, but digital physical balance. So Sean, just run us through kind of some of the things they're calling out with the way that um, Meta is shaping up, keeping in mind that Meta ultimately wants everybody to be living in the metaverse yeah. digitally and, and not engaging with anyone in real life. Yeah, well, that's uh, yeah, pretty much summed up quite well in terms of looking at it, that that new equilibrium that they're trying to speak about when they're talking about this integration that's so well intertwined between person, uh, you know, real life and online. They're trying to make it as sort of, um, I guess, easy to understand the difference between, uh, you know, easy to sort of integrate the two sort of lifestyles, and that's evident through the introduction of metaverse and things like that. And so this is evident, and where these trends come from is is, is the drastic lift in in search behaviors and and where does new equilibrium starts to come through is they've seen drastic search behaviors and, and engagement of content around, you know, the metaverse, vi virtual assistance and um, artificial intelligence, haptic technology. There's a range of spaces. And so I guess the encouragement here, you know, again, for our brands is just to be considering how we can be on the forefront of some of these changes that are happening in market. Is there uh, an opportunity to be able to apply your brand in some of these spaces and be one of the early, um, you know, I would say the early birds in market, particularly in the AU and NZ markets? Um, is, is some of the encouragement that we're starting to see as, um, again, you're seeing the likes of Metaverse and, and these platforms start to roll out in some, some pretty innovative spaces. Um, going into the next point here around collective creativity um, goes into, you know, again, consumer behavior as far as social mimicry. You know, we start to see this lift, particularly across the likes of TikTok, but it's also, you know, shared in, in the meta and IG um, verse as well. And it's really helping us understand how we learn to speak, grow and build community um, between, you know, these these uh, consumers that we see online. And so the encouragement here is that, you know, we're really serving that universal language and building that sense of community through um, short form uh, Sorry, short form videos and, and, and content that you're seeing that really engages with the type of consumer that you're starting to look and, and, and wanting to speak to, as well as joining, you know, uh, global trends and viral trends that you're seeing, um, understanding how you can be quite quick to jump on, you know, where it's, you know, when you, where you can apply it to your brand or where it's relevant, how you can be sure to be in the mix of, of, of things and conversation there as well. 
And that really just bakes into the last point around creator culture. Um, you know, we're seeing that 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 handover or that power given back to the creator. You know, creativity has been unleashed, and you know, it's really driving that social networks through affordability and and changes in powerful software and hardware that you know users today, influencers today have all that access to. And so, as we see that shift in power, we're starting to see opportunity. Um, you know, and 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 how we can leverage and tap into you know these influencers or these creators or these artists things online and, and things like that. And so what we're encouraging here of our brands is, is, is definitely to leverage this space. You know, the, the growth we started to see as far as influencer marketing and brand ambassador opportunities, creators um, and, and hashtags alike, um, we see, you know, has lifted year on year more than 150%. There's definitely a demand to start to see the space grow a little bit more. And so being quite, I think, um, you know, be quite intentful in the in, in the individuals or the, the communities that you choose within these spaces and ensuring that it's aligned to, again, what your brand's trying to promote and, and align to the values and, and ethics of, of the individuals that you might be using across this space will be super key as well. 100%. And it's also an opportunity, right? Like from a creative perspective, from an advertising perspective, some of the numbers that we've seen borne out in performance show us that actually UGC kind of creative is better than like a really polished, slick brand video because it's real. It's got real customers. It feels uh, more relatable to people. So actually the, the performance of those types of creative versions are really, really mm -hmm. strong. So for a brand that maybe ne doesn't necessarily have the budget to invest in like premium videography or photography, um, like really leveraging kind of some of that content that's coming back from customers. Again, it goes back to the, the points around Google, right? The more that you can be kind of seen as, you know, having that real trust and that kind of, um, yeah, that mm. realness, I think, from your customers, I think, also makes a difference when it comes to ad performance and the way that you're pushing that out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. All right. Let's roll on to Sean's favorite platform, Pinterest. Yeah, deserves all its flowers. This one. House plants, Sean. <laughs> yeah, so very, you know, speaking of intentful, you know, obviously everything's done for a reason. So these plants, no, I'm kidding. These were always here, Sam. Come on, man. Um, no, but, you know, speaking to, I guess, the the platform that is Pinterest and and like what I already sort of shared, you know, the, the fact that it shares that quite special space of, of, of um, you know, the type of consumers coming through, that being of, you know, people looking for inspiration or motivation, um, that's reflected in, in, in the growth we've seen across a, a variety of different spaces. And so the first, you know, point here being, We've seen mass, you know, drastic pickup in, in biophilic sort of design kind of related um, search trends and, and, and inspiration um, aspirations and, and things like that. And so, you know, I guess what this is starting to highlight is the type of, I guess, trends. And that's exactly what I find Pinterest really good for is it helps you understand what's trending at this point in time. What are people looking for? In this point in time, we could see that lift in houseplants, you know, people looking for that inspiration in their rooms and their living rooms and their, you know, wherever within their own um you know, personal lives and things like that. And again, it's backed up by the fact of that growing search trend that we saw, you know, back in the Google Trends previous, um, you know, a couple of previous slides. It really starts to help you, I guess, understand what's happening within the market, what is trending and be quite quick to, to, to see what's happening there. That then bakes into the next point here around limitless lux. And what that's really talking to is, you know, once upon a time would, you know, traditionally kind of host, I guess, luxury to be in particular spaces, whether that only be the, um, you know, the, the living room or that only be, you know, in, in prime spaces, the diner room or things like that of your home. But we actually started to see huge influxes of, you know, search behaviors and inspiration search, um, you know, for like places that you wouldn't even realize, little nooks and crannies such as the laundry room, looking for how you can spice that up, things like basements, gaming rooms, garage interiors. 
a variety of spaces that often is overlooked and things like that, um, you can start to see that pick up. And so again, where you can apply it for your brand um, becomes quite important because these are growing search trends that we're seeing. Similarly, in terms of fixer size culture, this next one here, it speaks about, again, low impact is now the new high intensity. And so people are looking for that kind of balance, again, in their busy lives of being able to implement exercise and everything, uh, you know, where they can and where, where they can find the time to do so. And so where we're looking, you know, where you start to see that search intent is, is people searching up for, you know, whether it just be as simple as daily stretching routines or simple dance moves to then, you know, uh, uh, lazy workouts in bed as well and things like that. And, and just walking in nature, we're starting to see this pick up in, in search behaviors around just finding that balance at the same time between, um, you know, what they do every day and their busyness um, versus, you know, being able to exercise and keep healthy as well. And then the last point here around uh, hobbies equaling a job is that big movement that we've seen in the last couple of years around um, users now trying to take on, you know, their, uh, their, their hobbies as actual jobs and, and really pursuing that that um, opportunity where they see fit. And uh, um, you start to see that in terms of, you know, big search trends around uh, party rental business ideas, mobile business ideas, eyelash business ideas, all a range of different spaces where people are starting to see, um, you know, big search trends and things come through uh, Pinterest. I guess where we're starting to see that application again, and, and it really depends on your brand or whatever you're pushing as a business, is where you can start to inject your services or your product that might benefit some of these, um, you know, opportunities on Pinterest and things like that too for sure yeah i mean pinterest is obviously the ultimate kind of um environment for a brand to get across its beautiful you know imagery it's kind of landing that lifestyle kind of element to what yeah. it does and, and who the brand is and kind of what it can bring so it's definitely underutilized i think and and the more that it kind of it improves its ad offering the the better it is for from a performance point of view to kind of understand the impact that it has so it's definitely one we're leaning into um, as an agency to kind of encourage that, you know, brands that want to establish, you know, what they can bring to someone's life. I think that's, that's an awesome space to play in just as a canvas. Yeah. All right. And then we'll finish up on, um, on the younger generation uh, who spend time on TikTok. Um, worth saying, it, like in the latest uh, New Zealand Post um, e-commerce report, um, although the 30 to 60 year olds, 30 to 60 year olds are the ones that are still spending the most amount of money online, the, the kind of 15 to 29 year olds are the by far the quickest growing uh, spenders in online commerce. So, you know, TikTok is you know, at the center, I think, of this sort of wave of um, new generation of, of customers coming through. Um, so it's really important we understand how they're using that platform, how to do it right and how not to do it, um, because, you know, it's, it's a really niche environment. It's very authentic. Um, I think it's, you know, uh, very a very savvy audience i would say sean um but yeah just walk us through kind of what's going on with tiktok and, and kind of maybe some tips on how to use that effectively yeah authenticity is is definitely the key word i think that you're, that you're hit um we mentioned in sort of the closing slides but you know the the search for i i guess you know, advertising and things like that on TikTok are often quickly snuffed out. And so, again, it, it draws it back to that sense of how we use this space. Um, and what I really encourage is the use of community. Again, you know, the way that you're integrating and the way that this platform is used each and every day is going to be quite key here. Um, but if I could just sort of hit these 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 key points here, what we saw in terms of what was trending, um, you know, between NZ and AU was that growth and, and travel's been the new norm, right? And what that was talking to is, you know, as a nation here in Aotearoa, at least, you know, we saw 
um, you know, travel enthusiasts, obviously facing, you know, strict travel restrictions and things like that. And that took a toll in terms of, you know, what we could do and where we could go. However, what was really promising to see was just the shift in, in community and in behavior to really drive around local travel and, and, and inspiring people to get engaged with what's around them. Um, this is evident through, you know, Lyft and, and key sort of hashtags you might have seen yourself around, you know, NZ travel, NZ must-dos or hidden gems here in here in New Zealand or NZ Secrets, etc. Um, I'm sure this sort of blends into what we see, um, you know, for other markets as well, you know, really encouraging sort of those local travel opportunities. And obviously, as the terrain is starting to shift a little bit more, um, it still highlights that appetite, um, you know, to be able to encourage where applicable for brands to align with, you know, those local kind of comms and things that apply to, you know, travel locally as well. In the same sense, the next one here is, is, is speaking to around um, stream culture. Uh, I guess what that's highlighting is, you know, with streaming content quickly becoming, you know, quite a, a, a popular means of con consuming online and things like that, we're actually seeing the way it's used on TikTok as well, which is pretty cool, you know, creating content that depicts, you know, honest reviews of, of a Netflix show or um, heartfelt reenactments that goes viral, um, alternative endings that people like to take interest to, all these kind of engagement points, um, trying to understand and, you know, I guess the encouragement for a brand is, is if it applies and where you can sort of build that credibility and sort of on the ground feel native feel as a brand with your consumer is how you can apply that same thinking into the way that you push out in TikTok as well. Um, I guess evidence of here is, you know, the, the massive influx and in, in hashtags around Marvel or, or Squid Games when that when that came out, Avengers, you know, things like that. Um, when these trends trends pick up, it's, it's the question of where we can apply ourselves. And, um, you know, the nature of TikTok is quite fast paced. So it does take, you know, keeping your, you know, your ears to the ground quite quickly and making sure that you're quite reactive to, um, you know, some of these changing trends and making sure that you know, you're on the boat in, in that sense. Hey, Sean, I'm, then, just, I'm just going to interrupt you there and, and we'll answer this question as it came in. Oh, yes, um, and yes, I'll, I'll put you on the spot. Um, so yes. I think the question paraphrased is TikTok is a place for young people at the moment. Yeah. Um, are old people ever going to use it or are old people going to stay where they are at the moment. I mean, I, I think from my perspective, yeah. like back to one of our earlier points, right? It's about obviously the other platforms being, let's talk about talk about Facebook and Instagram are replicating some of the stuff that TikTok is trying to kind of do and it's success. So you would imagine that there'll be an audience that will stay within those channels and share the same kind of stuff. But do you think that TikTok's audience ever gets any older or is it kind of forever going to be this um, the younger generation? Yeah, I think um, yeah, I think it's a misconception to believe that it's purely isolated to this younger audience for sure. I think the reminder is that, um, and and the stat is that within the year, you, um, within you know since inception, you saw more than one billion users um, come onto TikTok and sign on. And so, I guess what that is telling to is that yes, perhaps it was engaging that younger audience at first, but what we're starting to see through retention and things like that is that actually you see these um, you know the older demographics start to come through and things like that as well. I guess the encouragement here, Joseph, if you do choose to look into this avenue, is to think about what we've talked about around communities and how it applies to, um, you know, that older demographic. Because, again, that sort of community or that sense of, um, you know, these these trends, you know, they may not apply to every sort of demographic, i.e., um, you know, a younger audience might not engage with, um, you know, a, a Netflix show or series that's trending for older audiences and things like that. Just not hopping, I, I would say and i've seen it before avoiding like not hopping onto a trend just because everyone else is doing it um but really asking yourself what community is this tapping into is this the right community that we're trying to speak to because 
Um, again, the sheer size of TikTok is growing more and more. And I wouldn't say that it's only for younger. We're definitely seeing that growth in that older demographic. Uh, but if you choose to sort of go down that route, definitely think about how you're, you know, you're presenting yourself depending on um, the type of brand that you're, you're dealing with there. Awesome. Sorry, Sean. Carry on. Oh, good. All good. No, all good. We're on home stretch here. Um, last two points around sweat together, stay together, um, similar to what we shared in, in the previous around Pinterest. So blends in quite well. But, you know, really what we're seeing because of that native fear on TikTok, that people feel, you know, empowered to be able to share their journeys and, and build that community. Um, you get a variety through, you know, professionals right through to amateurs and people who are starting. And it's quite encouraging to see the growth of this kind of community that we're seeing within the space. So, again, um, you know, encourage where applicable, if it's it's something that matters to your brand to be able to share that kind of journey in the same way if, if, if it matters to you as well. And then the last one, which I think is one of the biggest ones, um, but is really awesome at the same time, is hashtag TikTok made me do it. It's almost a combination of almost free media in a way of this viral trending hashtag that, you know, helps encourage um, users across TikTok to engage with, you know, savvy sort of products or brands. Um, you know, this, this starts to sort of reveal to people I guess what's out there and, and, and it's done in a way that goes viral because it's through the use of a hashtag and things like that. And so this becomes that, you know, that sort of that point of inspiration um, for a whole lot of, um, you know, for a whole lot of users online. And so we encourage our brands to take a look at what this hashtag entails, see if you can apply your own brand in, in, in its own savvy way, and then just make sure that, you know, you're across if it applies to you as well. Wicked. And I think maybe time for one more question before we jump to jump to our answers again. Uh, thank nice. you, Pete. Retail media has had a huge uptake in the US market. Are you seeing APAC merchants begin to use retail media? Um, not so much, I would say. We're kind of, we're, uh, Overdose is live and, and running in the US at the moment. And, and definitely there is a much broader conversation about retailer channels and kind of the, the importance of those channels. I feel like um, Australia and New Zealand are perhaps slightly more immature markets, kind of we're, we're kind of a little bit further behind on that kind of uh, maturity curve. So um, most of the conversations we're having at the moment still with, with brands out here are about how to maximize value from your destination website and how to kind of find your customers through, you know, main channels to, to drive traffic towards those. Um, the retailer media, not so much a big thing, particularly in Australia and New Zealand. I mean, we see marketplaces you know, more evident up in Southeast Asia, for example. Um, obviously, every market is different, but I would say, you know, from where we're sitting, you know, New Zealand, Australia, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot to do with kind of just general, you know, widespread awareness and main social channels. What do you think, Sean? Yeah, did a, I'm not going to add if it doesn't um, add value. I think you've, you're headed on there. <laughs> yeah. That's very kind of you. All right, team. Thank you. Um, we're almost at the end of our hour, so we're going to wrap up. Um, Sean has, uh, you know, as he does, left us with some um, awesome takeaways, I think, which is just a great summary of kind of given that we know all of this stuff now about who our new shopper is, what they enjoy, how they communicate. Uh, I've been through this, you know, how do we adapt and kind of how do we talk to these, these new consumers now and how do we market to them effectively, you know? Um, they're a new generation. They weren't kind of active or they weren't kind of doing this stuff. Let's face it, you know, 12 months ago. So, you know, what ways do we need to kind of change our, our marketing strategies and efforts to, to really kind of drive performance and, and kind of keep uh, brands growing? So, Sean, do you just want to spin through um, our four key takeaways? Yeah. 
yeah, home stretch here, really, just reviewing that always on approach. So really thinking about, you know, everything we've spoken to in terms of building that community and asking yourself as a brand, um, you know, what is that that market presence that you're pushing out at the moment? Um, just reviewing and, and asking yourself, does it align with the audience or the target market that you're trying to speak to? Um, and do you have sort of the sufficient kind of channels to be across? Um, are you across the right channels that are suitable to be, um, you know, be able to speak to that audience is quite key. Um, that then bakes into not just making ads and, again with that community feel and with the demands that we're seeing from consumers online more and more you start to see that they're, they're wanting to be able to receive an experience more than you know uh, just sort of a, uh, a typical ad that you might see and so we're really promoting and, and, and encouraging that kind of culture in the way that you promote um, your comms, ensuring that you know it best aligns with you know the values and beliefs um, of of your consumer, and making sure that you know the, the target market that you're speaking to again is aligned to those those um, you know those ethics that you have as a brand as well. Then bakes into that next one around empowering that community. And what that's speaking to is, you know, again, what we see with users online, they really leverage, you know, social realm to openly express their values and ethics. And at the same time, they're starting to greatly expect the same of their brands. And so, like I've mentioned um, a few times here, take the time to apply your core business values and practices into your communications. And we're applicable to keep your, you know, your loyalty based informed as well through, um, you know, first party op uh, opportunities, as well as educate your prospective users who are just learning about your brand, offer educational spaces or blogs or things like that to give them a means to interact with your brand um, and all of that ties into that that wider thing that is push that boat out again despite the continued you know challenges that we are facing online advertise on online um, you know social media platforms and it's evident to show they're still working really hard to deliver a diverse you know range of marketing solutions for your brand really you know being quick to uh, and proactive to change how how we interact with communities and and, and and things like that and so where you can do have conversations with you know your, your market leaders and within your own space or ourselves if need be as well to talk about how you can be at the forefront of some of these opportunities whether it be um, changes in technology, changes in channels you want to be across, um, having that sort of understanding of whether you're aligned through all these four points will be key to seeing the success in 2022. Epic. Thank you, Sean. Uh, we're up on time. I appreciate, uh, appreciate you, appreciate your work. Um, hopefully that's been, oh, there we go. A lovely thank you from Adam. Thank you everyone for joining. We appreciate uh, you joining us. Hopefully you found something interesting and useful in there um hit us up if you want to know more if you want to chat to us we we love this stuff you know as complicated as it is um and as challenging as it can be sometimes um this is what we live and breathe so yeah we're uh we appreciate sharing you uh sharing with you some information um hit us up on linkedin uh come find us talk to us uh, uh either way we'd love to hear from you um but thank you for joining and uh take care out there cheers team